0: Have you heard about our latest subscription offer? Subscribe to an Irish Examiner annual subscription today and receive a free pair of One Sonic earphones, valued at 79 Stay informed with our award-winning journalism and enjoy your favourite podcasts in premium sound. Visit irishexaminer.com forward slash earphones to subscribe now. Hurry, this offer won't last long. Terms and conditions apply. Offer available while stocks last.
1: Hello and welcome to the McClifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now, on March 20th, 2017, Tina Satchwell disappeared from her home in Yall in East Cork. She has not been seen since. She has been described as a a much-loved, vibrant, bubbly woman who in turn loved her family and her dogs in particular. The last person to see her was her husband Richard, who says he brought her tea and toast that morning, and that she asked him to go shopping in nearby Dungarvan. When he returned, she was gone. The Gardaí have conducted extensive searches and a thorough investigation, including linking in with Interpol, but there has been no sighting of Tina Satchel since that morning. Irish Examiner reporter Liz Dunphy has investigated the case as it comes up to the sixth anniversary of Tina's disappearance. And Liz joins me now. Liz, you're very welcome.
2: Hi, Mick. Thanks very much for having me.
1: Liz, if we could start with Tina herself. Who is she? What exactly is her background?
2: Well, Tina uh, was 45 years old when she was last seen on the 20th of March 2017, as you previously mentioned. Um, She was described by her sister, Teresa Dingovan, as... A really loving, kind, bubbly person. She was kind of known for her love of fashion and jewellery and her love of animals. She apparently was inseparable from her dogs, Ruby and Heidi. She'd be seen everywhere with them. She was a real animal lover and she had a real kind of personal style of her own. So she was quite a well-known figure around the um, car boot sale scene, around... Cork and Waterford, that area, the area around which she lived in East Cork. And she was, by all accounts, a very vibrant, happy, happy-go-lucky person. Uh, Her sister, Teresa, told me that when she was a child, that she was just really lovely little girl, very much loved. She was the youngest of five girls, five daughters. And then there were also three brothers in the family as well. So it was a large family and they lived on a quiet street in Formoy. And her sister said that they'd all play outside in the evenings with the neighbours, that even when Tina was very small, she'd sit on the steps with her older siblings and, you know, play ball when she got a little bit older and that she was always very kind of friendly. Loved, adored by her parents, um, happy little girl by all accounts. And then, when she was sixteen years old, she actually moved over to the UK to live with her sister Teresa and their mother, who was also in the UK at the time. And it was there, just a few months later, that she actually met her husband, um, Richard Satchwell, who, as you mentioned, I think unfortunately was the last person to see her alive. Um, and and yep, their relationship began over there, basically. And then they they eventually moved back to Ireland and. Lived Lived in Fermoy for some time and then she, they both had a real love of the sea Um so they moved to Yall which is a, a beautiful seaside town on a, a stunning stretch of coast in East Cork as I'm sure you're aware.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think every, and most people will, will know Yall. And Liz, she went over, to her family, she moved over to the UK, her sister and her mother were already over there at that stage.
2: Yeah, so she went over to join them and was there for some time. And actually, her sister was just telling me this morning that she has really fond memories of that time in the UK with Tina. That she was such a kind of caring, supportive sister that she was there with her when she had her when her sister Teresa had her first child. And she remembers her being there with her in hospital and then coming in and bringing the baby, just the cutest little rabbit costume she had ever seen. And she said she always remembers that, and she has just really precious memories of her sister from that time. They'd go shopping together to indulge. Tina's love of clothes and have family dinners together frequently and yeah she said it was it was a nice time with her sister.
1: And when they moved back to Ireland they said they were in for my first and then they moved to y- What was she working outside the home or, or was she involved in anything in that respect?
2: I'm not 100% sure what her working situation was. Um, I know that her husband is a lorry driver um, and I know that Tina was very involved in car boot sales. So I know she did generate right. some income from that, but I, I actually am not sure what she did for a living otherwise. Yeah. and
1: as the way with an awful lot of people, there's ways of getting by without having a conventional job, particularly outside the big cities. I think no question about that. So she's living in Yall with her husband Richard, as you say, her two dogs. Uh, A well-known figure around the town and around wider East Cork, particularly through car boot sales and that. And then on the morning of March 20th, what do we know about her movements or where she was that morning prior to going missing?
2: Well, just to mention first, actually, if I may, the last public sighting of her was actually the day before at a car boot sale in tool a town in right. Cork. That was the last public sighting. And then on the morning of the 20th, her husband Richard said that she came downstairs and he offered her um, toast and tea, which he said he'd frequently do. Um, and at about 10 a.m., she asked him to go to nearby Dungarvan, a town in County Waterford, just over the border to do some shopping for food. He said that was quite a, a regular kind of request that she might make. So he uh, he said he went over and gave her a, a peck, a kiss and um, said he'd be back in two hours and left. And he got back that day, he said, at about two o'clock and it was at that point that he said he found her missing.
1: Right, and I suppose... With scenario, a very normal scenario, I think we, we've all been there in, in one capacity or another. Any of us who who live with people, who family, you come home and there's no one there and perhaps for a while you're wondering where they're gone or what happened and suddenly they walk in the door. So quite understandably, he arrives back at two o'clock. Initially, in the normal course of things, there would be no reason to panic. So how long was it, Liz, until... He thought this was serious, and he he um he reported it to the guardy.
2: So it was actually a whole four days before he reported it to Gardie, Obviously, the first kind of twenty four hours in an, in you know a, a disappearance like this would be quite critical. So it it took four days, unfortunately, before it was reported. Um, but I just might mention that when he came home that day, he said that her two dogs were in the house, and that was very unusual. She'd rarely go anywhere without them, so that was very strange. Um, he also said that. Um, well, A, she had no passport. Also, her ID was found in the house and her mobile phone was also left in the house that day. So it almost seems like she <laughs> vanished, essentially. It's very bizarre. Um, and basically, he said that he he thought initially that she had just gone to visit family in Fermoy, that that wouldn't be all that unusual for her to do. And it was only after speaking to family in Fermoy some days later that he realised, he said that she wasn't with them. And so he contacted Gardy at that stage.
1: Right, so... I suppose in the way we are, we live in the modern day, and I've done. I've done this myself. I've I've left the house without a mobile phone, and suddenly, I suppose the only way I could describe it is you feel half naked when you realise it's not there on your person, and and you know the obvious instinct is to rush back. But despite her mobile phone being there, that and as you say, the dogs, she obviously hadn't gone for a walk or anything. That apparently didn't set off alarm bells for Richard, and there was that. Uh, distance between then and when he actually thought, no, this is so serious. I better get the guards involved.
2: Yeah, he did also say that um, there appeared to be a suitcase or two missing and some clothing missing from the house um, at that time. He also said that there was 26,000 euros in cash missing from the house. That was the proceeds of um, a sale of a house and some of the proceeds of car boot sales. Um, so he said that that chunk of cash also seemed to be missing from the house when he got there. And, um, So, so yeah, he, he said also that he had some concerns about her mental state. He said, um, in the kind of months before she disappeared, that she had said that she was having some anxiety, um, and she had said apparently that she didn't want to take antidepressants. So he thought maybe she had just kind of gone away to get her head straight, have some time away and would then come back. Um, so that was another reason why he didn't call Gardie immediately is what he said.
1: Yeah, it is an unusual situation. Quite Well, quite obviously, he would be familiar with her, um, how how she felt about things and the fact that she may leave without a mobile phone may not have been that big an issue. Um, and then as well as you say, and was it, did he subsequently say that it was in that initial 24, 48 hour period that he discovered this thing of the um, the money, 26,000, a lot of cash to leave in a house anyway, but he discovered that this was missing in, in those first days and even that did not prompt him immediately to contact the guardy.
2: Um, I'm not sure at what point he discovered um, that any cash was missing, but I think the most the most striking thing, according to his reports as well, was that the dogs were still there and she wasn't, because that was the most telling thing of all. Really, you'd imagine that something might be amiss because she apparently would never really leave any go anywhere. For long distances, a long time, a long time without her dogs, she was absolutely besotted with them. Apparently, but I, yeah, I'm not sure exactly at what point he discovered that um, cash or clothes were missing.
1: Okay, but he, he he did report that later. Okay, and then so the guardi are alerted and they begin. I suppose, an investigation. Did they begin searching pretty early on, Liz, on the basis of they thought perhaps they may be looking for someone who'd got into distress or who knows who could have gone out and and, and fallen, as we've seen lately, for instance, that poor woman in, in, um, in England who actually fell into the river when she was out walking. Did they begin a search for the possibility of a body fairly early on?
2: Yeah, Gardi actually launched a really extensive search. I mean, the investigation is still going on to this day, six years later. Um, they, there were searches of, I mean, the, the Navy, the Army was involved. They called in the help of Interpol and. Police in the PSNI in the North and in the UK to see if there was any trace of her abroad. Even they, I think they uh, went down. Had something like four hundred lines of inquiry in the investigation. There were searches of scrubland nearby, searches of the harbour around Yall, where you know the town where she was living. Local waterways. Um, they took something like one hundred and seventy statements. They extensively trawled through hundreds of hours of CCTV, including at all the ports and airports to check in case there was any way that she could have left the country but there was no um, sign of her found in any of that. Um, the most recent major search was actually in 2018 when Gardie, some 60 Gardie, uh and trained search personnel including engineers uh, searched through some woods in Castle Martyr a town near uh, where her home was in Yall, called Mitchell's Woods. Um, they had cadaver dogs there as well, who would have you know been able to search for for human remains. Um, and even that search on, you know, turned up came came up with no substantial um information, and there was no sign of Tina there essentially
1: either. And was there a particular reason and that was I I think about a year after she initially went missing was there Mm. any particular reason why they conducted that search?
2: Yeah there was Um, they got a tip from a member of the public who said that they believed they saw a man entering the woods who they thought was known to Tina and they also said they thought they saw a man entering the woods with a blonde woman and leaving alone Um, so it was on the basis of that information that Gardaí launched that search. And nothing came of it? Nothing came of it, no, no. So it must have been such right. a difficult time for her family, you know, seeing the cordoned off area. You know, the, it's been a really high profile missing person case and it's, it's been covered a lot, obviously, in the media. So it must have been, yeah, it's just such a difficult time for her family waiting to see if, knowing what they were looking for, you know, they were essentially looking for a body and waiting to see if they if they found anything. But anyway, they didn't. And
1: Just to establish that to the best of your knowledge in terms of your contacts with the Gardaí and others, is the general belief at this stage, unfortunately, that she is most likely deceased and it's not a question of her having, as has happened in the past with other people, just deciding to, to take off and, and and leave her existing circumstance, her existing life to begin anew or to just get away or whatever. Do they actually believe that unfortunately she's now dead?
2: I think it's hard to imagine that somebody in this day and age would be able to, you know, survive um, for six whole years with no trace of them. Obviously, the society we live in, we all leave a digital footprint wherever we go. And, you know, even if her sister actually said to me this morning, even if she dyed her hair, her face would be recognizable. It's been such a high profile case. There would have been some sighting of her. You know, obviously, our streets are covered in CCTV these days. There's literally been no trace of her at all. And Gardy said that they believe somebody in East Cork must know something, must have some information, because as far as they're concerned, she never left East Cork. You know, as I said earlier, there's been such an extensive search for her and no trace of her has been uncovered. Gardy said it's incredibly unusual to have that, as, you know, for that to be the situation that there's literally zero trace of someone for six whole years. So I don't think anyone is saying overtly that, you know, that, that, that she's deceased, but, You'd imagine the chances of her being alive at this stage would be quite slim, unfortunately.
1: And her husband Richard, as we say, the last person to have seen her by his account, he took off to Dungarvan, he came back, she was gone. He's made some appeals in the media. What what do we know about Richard's background?
2: So Richard is a lorry driver. He's originally from the UK. Uh, He's a few years older than Tina. they met when they were both quite young. I think he was 21 and she was 17. Uh, they were together for 26 years before she disappeared. So they had a, a long relationship by all means. Um, I think they, w- they would have been seen together a lot. They would have, you know, been on the car boot sale together a lot. They would have been seen out exercising their dogs together a lot. Um, I think they, you know, they would have been seen together as, as a couple very much um, quite frequently. Um, he has always denied any involvement in her disappearance, you know, closer to the time back a few years ago, he would have been seen on media quite a lot making public appeals um, for the public to come forward, you know, to help guardy with the investigation, you um, he said, yeah, he's, he's denied vehemently that he has any involvement in his wife's disappearance and he's not a suspect in the Garda investigation. Um, I, I think he said he was on a TV, I think he was speaking to TV three some years ago and he said that he never laid a finger on his wife and that the, 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 most physical kind of he had ever got with her was giving her a really tight cuddle, loving the bones off her, as he put it. Um, so, so, so yeah, he, yeah, as I said, he, he would have been seen on media a lot in, the years following, immediately following her disappearance, but he's kind of uh, receded a bit from the kind of public face of, of the investigation in more recent times.
1: And to the best of knowledge, does he still live in Yall?
2: Yeah, yeah, he does still li- live in Yall and still works as a lorry driver, as far as I'm aware. I, I did try to contact him for this most recent um, piece, uh, but he declined to comment at this stage.
1: But he, he hasn't been around, and um, as you say, he, he made public appeals himself. And he was also um, been on the media. And just run that by. What's Richard's theory of what he believes on the basis? Quite obviously, knowing her better than probably anyone, what he believes may have happened.
2: I mean, it's been a while now since he's commented publicly on it, so maybe his his mind has changed at this stage. But in the past, he definitely thought that she had just you know got up and left, and he thought that she was still out there some time for you know for years, really. Like I remember him saying that. Um, he would still buy her Valentine's cards every year and presents every birthday and store them up for her, he said, in the hope that she'd come back. Um, I mean, whether he still believes that she's alive or whether he would still say that, I I, I have no idea. Um, but that was very much his line for a few years following her disappearance.
1: And he wasn't of the opinion that somebody could have Done her harm in that respect. He 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 didn't believe that. For instance, she may have left the house before he came home and had encountered somebody who did her harm. He was more veering towards the fact that, in his opinion, she probably took off.
2: Yeah, he was veering more towards the latter. All right, but he did say in I think it was in an RTE interview at one point that um that if somebody had. You know, attacked her or, you know, assaulted her in some way. He said that she was very tough and very able to defend herself and that she, she'd she put up a fight and quite likely, you know, be able to, to offend someone off, was kind of his um, his opinion uh, in that interview. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com
0: forward slash subscribe. To find out if it's right for you. And her wider
1: family, then I think you've spoken to her sister, Teresa. Uh, is is Teresa living in this country, or is she still over in the UK?
2: No, she's still over in the UK. Um, yeah, I was speaking to her as recently as this morning, and she said that even this morning she was going through, she keeps all the clippings of all the, you know, the media reports into the case and She was just going through all the newspaper clippings and any files she had collected over the years from the investigation, just still searching for some kind of a clue, you know, that could have been missed, that could, you know, lead to the solving of the case. She said that, you know, it's just her sister's in her head every day and that, you know, every time her phone rings, she her heart jumps for a second kind of thinking maybe it's Tina and she's, you know, when she's walking down the road and she sees a blonde woman of a similar build, her heart kind of skips a beat again and thinks, oh, maybe that's Tina but she also said that, you know, the longer the time goes by, it's obviously been six years on Monday, like that's a long time for somebody to be missing. And she said that the longer the time goes by, the more her hope fades of of finding her sister alive. But she said she has to cling to hope because hope is, you know, what keeps her and the family going, essentially.
1: Yeah, it's an awful scenario. I mean, for anybody to lose a sibling uh, in in Merely 45 years of age is a, a, a terrible thing, a sibling or, or, or a, a parent or, or, or a son or daughter. But in circumstances where somebody's disappeared, where there are questions there, where there's nobody's been discovered, there's no issue, even if people believe she may be dead, that there's no question of a body, it really must eat away um, at her close family in that respect.
2: Mm. She said that their hearts are just breaking over it. Like she's issued another appeal for the on the sixth anniversary, just saying, please, if anyone out there has even a little bit of information, please come forward to the Gardaí with it because it's just destroying them, you know, that it's such a really difficult thing to live through. And she said... You know, she kind of described it as being just this like terrifying, horrible emotional roller coaster because you're kind of vacillating from hope that you'll find her to just the depths of despair that you'll never see her again. And it's yeah, it must also be kind of very like obviously tragic and frustrating and also very disempowering to know that really there's there's not that much you can do to to find your sister, somebody who you love so dearly. It must be just a terribly difficult thing to cope with.
1: Absolutely. And I think you also spoke to some Gardaí, Liz, and there's a belief, some of those who are familiar with the case, that there may be somebody out there who knows something, even to the extent that they they may not realise that anything they may know could be significant.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, like, you know, they said that, you know, basically Tina was living in in Yall, in a town, uh, you know, a town in East Cork, that it's it's almost impossible that she could have left without somebody seeing her. And they said that, you know, even the smallest bit of information, just some innocuous piece of information, as it may seem to somebody else, could be that vital clue that helps Gardeep you know, unlock the whole mystery and solve the case. So they're really appealing for people, again, to just come forward with any information at all and, you know, leave it for Gardaí to decide whether it's relevant or not. Um, so, yeah, they, they believe that somebody in East Cork must know something that can lead to solve, you know, this eventually solving this, this case all these years later.
1: Yeah, it really is tragic. And just briefly, Interpol have been contacted, but there's been no sightings of... Tina outside the country or anything?
2: Yeah, Interpol have been involved in the search. As I said, also Gardaí in the UK were involved in the search because Tina lived in the UK for some time. You know, it was thought that maybe she had gone over there to friends or family in the north of England. No sign of her there. No sign of her at ports or airports in, in the Republic or in the north. Um, and, you know, the, the Navy were involved in the search for her. The army were involved for the search for her. Obviously, the police, public, neighbours... It's been so it's so unusual, really, that there's been such a massive search, and yet there's literally been zero she, It's as her sister said, it's like she's just vanished into thin air. it's it's really quite incredible and
1: we've seen in other scenarios, and I'm thinking in particular uh in the midlands, there was a number of cases over it was over a period of years, but from recollection there's a number of cases of women in particular, gone missing. And the Gardy. some elements within the Gardy who are familiar with this kind of thing, came to the conclusion that there's a possibility, if not a probability, that some of these could be linked. Did you get any impression from those you're speaking to that anybody is linking this to other disappearances?
2: I mean, it's an interesting question, but no, I I haven't I haven't heard of any potential links at all. Um, uh, perhaps I'm sure it's it's a line of inquiry that Gardy have followed at some stage, but as far as I'm aware, there are no links to other other cases.
1: Okay, and finally, Liz, um, you say uh, Tina's sister is going to make another appeal on the sixth anniversary, as it is. As things stand, the case is open, but in a scenario like this. Are Gardie actively still making inquiries or have they exhausted everything to the point they just have to wait and see whether something new comes to them?
2: Gardie are really hoping at the moment for people to contact them with new information. Um, they are issuing a new appeal for information again to coincide you know, with, with the sixth anniversary of her death and I think that's very much where the investigation is at, You know, inviting in new information, hoping for new information that can help them solve this case.
1: OK, Liz Dunphy, thanks very much for talking to us today. It is really a tragic case. Tina Satchwell, missing since March the 20th, 2017, from her home in Yall. As things stand, as Liz outlined, Gardy are of the opinion that she probably didn't leave the East Cork area. There's The probability at this stage is that the poor woman, unfortunately, is by now deceased. And I think that the two huge elements to the whole case are um, an attempt to locate the body, if that is what the scenario is, and the investigation to see whom possibly could be responsible for what, if, as I say, she's dead, is, is an awful, awful crime. And really, and I think what really came across there with Liz's report was, the, the family and this whole idea of somebody being missing and just not knowing what exactly the story is and what may have happened to her. Liz, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. As always, I'd like to thank our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you folks for listening. Enjoy your weekend and we'll talk to you again next week.